This is Valley Watch, your first choice for public safety news and information. With Phoenix Fire Department Deputy Communication Director, Ali Party, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. Good morning. Yep, it's me. I'm back again at a wee early hour on Sunday. It's Allie Party on behalf of the Phoenix Fire Department Public Affairs, and we are hosting Valley Watch, a show brought to you by our good friends here at Bonneville Broadcasting. And this morning, I am joined with my friend and co-worker, Deputy Chief Jeff Scripsma. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to have you here. This is your first time here on Valley Watch. And we've worked together a few different times in passing, and I love learning about different areas of the fire department. And right now, you are overseeing the section of safety and prevention. Correct. And so what is, you know, you are a deputy chief. You've been with the department. Kind of tell us about yourself. Where 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 has your path led you today? So uh, this October will be my 32nd year with the organization. I started about 20 years old. I spent 20 years uh, on a fire truck working out in operations and from a firefighter and paramedic and, and then a captain. Uh, special operations was, was my love when I was out in the field, um, both the hazmat and the technical rescue side of it. And I spent over 16 years uh, at technical rescue and hazmat um, stations during that time. And then I promoted to chief about seven years ago and went from division chief and now to deputy chief. Very cool. And so um, for those of you listening, I'm sure many of you already probably know, but when you look at special operations and hazmat, that's those those crazy cool calls when you talk about mountain right. rescues and, you know, confined space rescues or gas leaks, has, hazardous materials, things like that, right? Uh, absolutely. So it's it's some of the most complicated and technical calls that we have. So we, we lovingly say that it's the firefighters, firefighters. So when you have an incident that's beyond the scope of what, uh, what regular firefighters can handle. That's when you bring in the special operations teams. Mountain rescues is the one that you see us on the mm-hmm. most. But we also do a lot of training when it comes to confined space rescue, like you said, structural collapses, water rescues. Uh, those are all fit under the purview of the technical rescue side. And then hazmat, when you see the folks in the big spacesuits, mm-hmm. that's the hazardous materials team. So anytime that we have a chemical release, a gas release, a spill of some kind, chemicals that mix, that create uh, a toxic environment, Then we have special teams that come in that have special metering equipment, special testing equipment, and then special protective gear to to help mitigate whatever that hazard is. Which makes sense why you would now be led to be the chief over the safety and prevention section when we also have those high risk type of calls involved or, you know, just in, in, in general, the nature of firefighters work is, you know, in, in the line of danger, potentially. True. Well, one of my primary roles in safety and prevention is looking at the total health and wellness and safety of our members. The toxic, the, uh, uh, toxic uh, products that we're mm-hmm. exposed to, whether it's firefighters operating in a regular structure fire or whether it's in a hazmat or a technical rescue environment, uh, are extreme. So my section looks at all of those sorts of things and looks at what potential pre- uh, preventive strategies uh, we can implement to uh, help reduce the likelihood of our members getting injured. The job is dangerous. Mm -hmm. We're going to have injuries. Our goal is to try to prevent them. And if we can't prevent them, to at least minimize uh, the damage that we do to our firefighters. So we're on the heels of, I want to say we're on the heels of it, but it's probably going to be extended, continual excessive heat warnings. We've had a historic heat wave this summer. Meanwhile, we're still, you know, a couple days forecasted for those 112, 14, 15 days. When it comes to, you know, the proactive measures or the communication within Phoenix Fire to the membership that are out in the field working, what does your section do on those days? So we do a lot. 
So we do everything from messaging strategies to looking at what we would call administrative controls, and those would be looking at policies, uh, procedures. The messaging is included in that. Then also what we would call engineered controls, and those are the logistical things that we can put in, the physical barriers to our, to, to help our members avoid uh, getting injured. Uh, this year's heat has been oppressive, mm-hmm. right? I cannot remember a time in recent history that we've seen a stretch of 118-degree temperatures. That has a huge impact on the health and the wellness of our members. Um, Our strategies to educate our folks usually begin somewhere in March or April. We have a a campaign that we call Work Smarter Series that we started a couple years ago. And when it comes to heat, for example, we put out things like educational material on how our members can acclimate themselves to the heat. What are the, the, the medical recommendations from medical community and as well as Center for Disease Controls on work rest cycles? Um, hydration standards. And so we start trying to get our folks ready for those 100-degree temperatures Mm -hmm. because the more you can prepare for it and understand how to acclimate yourself to it, the less likely you are to get hurt by it or get a heat illness. For those folks that are listening that might not be familiar with what a work rest cycle is, can you talk about what that is and when it's implemented? So when we hit 105-degree Days We actually notify all of our, our members. We turn on all the audio at all the fire stations, and we advise them that we're entering into some of our heat mitigation strategies. Uh, a work rest cycle is, and there's science behind it, the Center for Disease Control puts out recommendations that say, uh, for example, the highest that they go to is 105 degrees, Center for Disease Control. Well, that, that doesn't <laughs> mean much here in Phoenix, yeah. right? But at that, they say for every 15 minutes of hard labor that you put in, hard work, they recommend at least one hour of rest. Oh, wow. Well, that's not real realistic mm-hmm. for firefighters in the, in the job that we do. But what it does do for us is it triggers us to look at the amount of time that we want our firefighters operating in that heavy gear, operating in those, in those hazardous environments mm-hmm. before we pull them out and we what we call recycle them. Well, yeah. We send them to a formal rehab sector. Mm-hmm. We strip them down out of that heavy turnout gear. We start cooling measures on them. Mm-hmm. We hydrate them. Uh, we'll even do medical checks on them. And we even have a mobile rehabilitation unit that will come out that's got air conditioning and seating in very it good. to begin those cooling measures. So we take a very active approach in that. Um, We'll even take it a little bit step further, and we'll we'll see members that are saying they're fine, right? We're all type yeah. A workers, and mm-hmm. we don't like to admit that we're struggling. Um, we will actually pull them out of the field and send them home if they start showing any sort of sign of, of heat stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll also see in the summertime, like that big fire we had in Glendale the other day, mm-hmm. uh, it went four alarms, which means it brings in hundreds of resources. Well, in the wintertime, that may have only been a two-alarm fire. Yeah. But because we need those additional resources, it allows us to – create shorter work cycles for our members, allow them to rehab on the back end a little bit more, get a little bit more mm-hmm. rest, and then we just continue to rotate those crews through. So we take a very active – there's actually a strategy about how we we uh, protect our members' wellness and, and health on these big incidents like that. And it makes sense because you think about it. It's, you know, 115 degrees out potentially right. at 4 o'clock in the afternoon when there was, you know, the massive propane fire that right. was over by the airport or those industrial yard fires or something like that. And then you add that 70 pounds of gear or so, and you're on top of a ladder just pouring water for however long. So being able to, you know, switch those crews out, get them some extra water, monitor them. Are they good to go potentially back in? an hour or so to replace the next member. But um, I think this goes to show you there is like a holistic approach with the way that the Phoenix Fire Department takes care of their members, just in the sense that, you know, heat 
takes its toll, and right. whether it's a fire or a mountain rescue. But also, you know, we talk about it. We talked about it a couple shows ago when there was, um, unfortunately, a pediatric drowning. And those calls impact the firefighters. And sometimes they will, too, be sent home if they are, you know, impacted by that very traumatic call. Yeah, that's one of the other areas that we, we look at is, is member wellness. So that includes everything from members' mental health mm-hmm. wellness. We know that this job uh, and doing shift work like we do, it adds to... Uh, compounding effects of chronic fatigue and the sleep deprivation. And we mm-hmm. know that that has a, a long-term negative effect, both on our members physically as well as emotionally. And mm-hmm. then you add the stresses of the heat, stresses of some of the really bad things you see. Yeah. Uh, we we are so much better in recognizing it. We are so much better as a, as a fire service in encouraging members that are struggling to mm-hmm. get help. And we have dozens of ways that they can they can help themselves by saying, I, I'm, in, I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. I, I'm struggling financially. I'm struggling in a marriage or a relationship. I'm just struggling with the, the bad stuff that I see. Mm-hmm. And we have so many avenues to help them before it gets to that point where it's critical. We want our, our membership to do a 25 or a 30-year career where they walk away healthy and happy and they're able to enjoy their retirement, not broken because mm-hmm. the system and the, and the stress of the job has worn them out. And we're getting so much better than we were 32 years ago when I first came on. It was a lot of suck it up back mm-hmm. then. And now we recognize it and we encourage our members to get help and, and we help them mm-hmm. with whatever their challenge is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that stigma is definitely changing. The sure. conversation is more common, and and I know I appreciate it, and and I and I'm and I'm appreciative of working for a department that is supportive with those things. And you know, another aspect we we've talked about it, and it's something that I am very passionate about, and I know you are too. But when you look at you know cancer in the fire service, yeah. this is an area that is ever changing, and it's been around for a while, but the conversation has changed. And we had a meeting a couple weeks ago, and you had said some. Pre- pretty staggering statistics and information. And so where are we at now when we look at cancer within the Phoenix Fire Department? We're making a lot of really good progress, both in the Phoenix Fire Department and in the American Fire Service, but we still have a long ways to go. We we have a lot of members that currently have cancer, and sadly, we have lost more members to cancer than we have in line of duty deaths. When you look at the national statistics for firefighters, firefighters are five to 20 times more likely to get a cancer than the general um, population, as Mm -hmm. the the general public. Uh, 90% of those cancers, though, are preventable, which means we can do things through either administrative or engineer controls to help reduce that. And that's something that we're very actively in, and I'll share with that Mm -hmm. um, in a minute on how um, how we're doing some of that. The sleep deprivation and the chronic fatigue I just mentioned, what scares me about that is if you look at the, the cancer scale, that used to be what was considered a possible cause of cancer, and it has just this year been bumped up to a probable cause of cancer. So that just means that the physical stress on our bodies is potentially causing cancers on our members. Mm-hmm. The good news is, though, is because we have such an emphasis on this, we're detecting cancers more, more uh, early on, mm-hmm. and so we're doing early interventions. That means that we are actually seeing the survivability of certain yeah. cancers now we're starting to even outpace the general public a little bit. Wow. So I think that's reflective of, of the good job that we're doing both in Phoenix, the region, and, and the nation in encouraging our members to get their physicals, encourage mm-hmm. them to get the cancer screenings that we have available to them. And when we're identifying those cancers early, we're able to treat them early. 
So we're doing a good job with it, but we mm-hmm. still have a long ways to go. And there's so many layers to that. Obviously, the proactive measure of, you know, catching it early, yeah. obviously that increases your survivability. But at the same time, those decon efforts and even just having the conversations that weren't really had in the past, just as much as the stigma of mental health and getting those resources probably wasn't had in the past Correct. either. And so now when you look at, you know, Everyone wants to talk about the smoke and the dirty turnouts was that badge of honor. And now we clearly know, no, you go and you use that decon stick or the storm Storm stick and you wash off those decons. So um, as we wrap up, I know our time was here short, but um, you'll be back on the show. But what is there any closing remarks you'd like to give about cancer in the fire service for those listening? I think the the closing remark is is that we we still have a ways to go, uh, but it really is incumbent upon our our membership to help take care of themselves, stay fit, try to get as much sleep as you can, uh, make sure that they get a yearly physical, mm-hmm. get to the cancer screenings. The organization is going to continue to support you through research studies and and working within the section on on how we can better protect you. Um, uh, we're, we're on the right path. We just need to stay vigilant and we need to continue to look for best practices moving forward on how we can better protect ourselves and our members. And I think that obviously all of that goes to the general public as well. And, and it's so common that all of this is just, it's all laid out on our social media and on phoenix.gov forward slash fire. So if you want to learn more, please follow us, visit our website. But Chiefs Christmas, that went fast. It Thank went you. Really fast. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. You'll be back, I promise. Thank but you, Ellie. all of the loyal listeners, please enjoy your Sunday and stay safe.